ocular surface disease. It's complex, chronic, and progressive, but rife with opportunity for the enterprising optometrist. The mission of this podcast is to make this condition more understandable and accessible to those interested in specializing in it. So let's get to the point. The following discussion was recorded prior to the COVID-19 outbreak, which has led to widespread interruption of eye care practices and patient care. Despite the immediate challenges facing optometry, the principles of expanding and optimizing your practice will become even more imperative. Hello, welcome back to another episode of our podcast, To The Point. This podcast is really for doctors that are looking to start and grow their dry eye practice. And so we cover topics like how to find your patients and how to start the conversation with your patients, like we talked about in episode one, to more complex topics. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about Demodex, which is... Frightening. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Frightening. <laughs> my name is Jackie Garlic. I'm an optometrist practicing in Boston, and I am joined by my co-host, Leslie O'Dell, in private practice in York, Pennsylvania. So we're going to just dive right into Demodex, and I want to get your opinion. Um, how do you diagnose someone with Demodex? I just read this paper. It was published, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago um, in, I think it was, I think it was ophthalmology or cornea, you know, and I might just be naming a bunch of publications at this point. But anyway, it was published somewhere a couple of weeks ago about how you can look for Demodex with just things that are in your exam room. So your slit lamp um, and using a 90 diopter lens to sort of view in place of an actual mm -hmm. microscope if you don't have that. But I'm curious what your regimen is when you're suspecting what makes you suspect Demodex and how do you confirm? Okay. So first of all, Blepharitis is a huge problem for the patients we're treating. They're estimating 20 million Americans have blepharitis, and as high as 45% of those are Demodex blepharitis. So a much bigger problem than you might realize. So you are encountering it. It's just, are you seeing it, right? Um, the biggest thing is looking for this cylindrical dandruff. It's pretty pathognomonic of Demodex without anything more needing to be done. And that is different from your typical anterior blepharitis. You might, you know, in a typical anterior blepharitis that might be staph related, it, you see kind of flaking, more looks like dandruff on the, like flaky dandruff. Sometimes like in a seborrheic one, you'll see like an oily coating to the base of the eyelash. This cylindrical dandruff or debris is very different. Um, it's almost like a little waxy plug that is surrounding the base of every eyelash. Okay. Have you seen yeah. That? Like a sleeve. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's all you really need, actually. You know, I take some other steps, but it's really just to prove to myself and sometimes educate the patients. But if I would see that, I would initiate therapy, you know, just right there with that, um, that cylindrical dandruff. Okay. And then, I mean, but you use a microscope or you have something. Yeah. What is the thing? You yeah. Have? So I do use an LED microscope that, you know, I bought on Amazon for super cheap, like maybe $199 or something. Oh. Um, and it, it is very nice, you, you know, kind of getting back to our biology days. It was kind of fun at first to be plating and looking for things, you know, took me back to my science class <laughs> in yeah, biology. Right. But um, so if you're going to epilate lashes, you do want to have good language for patients. You mm -hmm. don't want to cause psychoses because there are these things that you can do that you're going to create a lot of anxiety for patients, yeah. maybe create um, 
that they are like itching their skin all the time, you know, so you have to really have a oh, nice wow. conversation yeah. before you show it to the patient. Now you could epilate and look for yourself. And then, like I said, we'll, we'll kind of dig into the whole patient psyche of, of Demodex because it definitely um, is a delicate matter. Yeah. So, okay. But if you're not telling the patient and you're just like, Hey, I'm going to epilate a lash. Well, I learned that you should definitely tell the patient. <laughs> um, oh, so first of all, I'm always going to tell them when I'm going to pull out their eyelash. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, so that part this? I'm telling, I say, what I usually say, my, my language kind of is, um, you have this debris on your eyelashes. It doesn't belong there. It's much like plaque on your teeth. I want to figure out what's going to be the best way to cleanse it for you. Um, and in order to do that, I'm going to take a lash or two out of your, you know, out of the eyelid and look at it under a microscope. And okay. then people are usually like, oh, okay. That sounds normal. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so, but you don't just yank it out. So then there's a technique to how you want to get that eyelash out before you do put it on the plate um, to look at it underneath your microscope. And that is using your forceps you would do like this big um, circle motion. Um, I think Kathy Mistrada actually um, developed this technique. And if you're doing that at your slit lamp, you, you'll actually see the mites come out of the lash as you're rotating the lash. And they'll look like smaller than a rice, like an uncooked rice, but they're like translucent to white. And once you start to see them, you'll oh. be able to see them with your naked eye. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, it kind of is that. Yeah. So as you're rotating, you, you know, I kind of now know if I have a good sample or not, but in the beginning, you just want to take these big circular motions of rotating the lash and then eventually the hair follicle um, and the root of the lash will release. So oh, it's so usually not, not like a tug. Apple. Oh, yeah, like it's usually not a tug. Okay. Um, and so I usually even tell the patient that like, I'm not going to just yank this out. It, it's a little bit of a special technique, so it takes me a little longer just yeah. so they don't wonder why it's taking so long. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. And then you'll plate this, put fluorescein so there. So different um, – I've, I've seen different techniques. So personally, I actually use a lipid-based tear because they're, use, they're eating the sebaceous gland, you know, the oils from the skin. And so I'll use whatever I have, you know, mm -hmm. um, in the office. I, I normally don't use one that is super cloudy looking. Okay, but yeah. if it's like a clear lipid-based tear, that, that works the best for me. And actually, it really makes them active. Um, yeah. I've also, you know, done fluor – like fluoresce or, um, but I have better results actually using a lipid based here. So this is like you putting it on a microscope slide. So what I do is I just put a drop of the lipid tear onto the slide and I have my slide cover sitting to the side. Um, and as I get a lash, I just put it down and it kind of goes into the, you know, the moisture of the, the drop that's on the slide. Okay. Um, and then you put your slide cover on, but I would always take two lashes because you don't mm -hmm. want to, I usually say I'm taking two because I don't want to have to come back and do this again. Oh. So I take two because my first sample might not have anything and then I'm not sure, you know, well, mm -hmm. even though I'm seeing that cylindrical dandruff, am I really, I, I kind of started doing it just to convince myself, I think. Yeah. Um, but you really, you wouldn't need to take that step. Are you taking two in that forceps when you're doing that? One at a time. time. One at a time. Okay. Mm -hmm. One right. at a time. So, and like I said, if you, like I sometimes will back up, look at my um, forceps underneath the slit lamp. And I can see, like I said, you'll start mm. to actually, you can, you know, if you have a good sample, you see something hanging off of the eyelash. It's, it is pretty obvious. It's so yeah. gross as you're talking about. I know it is. <laughs> it is like a frighteningly fun thing. <laughs> All right. So then, okay. So you've played it and then you're seeing this under the microscope. Yep. Do you show this to the patient? So then I, I'm looking at it, you know, I, and, and then I usually have this other conversation that goes something like, mm -hmm. I, I'm going to show you something if you want to see it. <laughs> um, and so I kind of get a feel for the patient's 
body language then. Um, and then a lot of times they do want to see it or they'll have like a family member and they'll be like, get your phone out, take a video of that. Oh, like really? oh, wow. they do seem to, but again, it's a, it's a fine line to know the patient that you're dealing with because there is such a thing of, of causing a, a little bit of a psychosis for oh, them, really? as you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Usually after we have the conversation, inadvertently one of us starts to scratch our scalp. Uh, yeah, but yeah. then the conversation goes more like this isn't like lice, so it's not going to jump from you to me, um, you know, and then we start to have that conversation. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, tell me about what your treatment options are for Demonex, because I was out to dinner with my friend who is um, an ophthalmologist in Boston, and we were talking about Demodex, as one does at dinner <laughs> time. Anyway. Um, Great dinner and I know. I know. Yeah. And uh, she was like, what do you use? Like, how do you treat that? And I think there's like not a clear, because what I then did is after sort of talking to her, I surveyed other people and I said, like I asked you, I texted you, what mm -hmm. do you, what do you use to treat Demodex? I text someone else, what do you use? Because I know the studies will say you, you need 50% of tea tree, tea tree oil to really actually kill the Demodex mites, but that is not always well, to well tolerated with patients. And so then the compliance of that maybe drops and then you're really not doing anything. So, um, you know, the 1%, 2% that you'll find in other products is that sufficient? And my thinking and my sort of research on this is that it will kill any any mites that are outside, like on sitting on the lash, but the ones that are burrowed in and like inside the lash follicle, it doesn't really get to those. But is it true we all have maybe a little Demodex anyway? And like a little is fine. It's the overgrowth or the proliferation of those that are really the problem in these cases? Yeah. So I've seen some reports that say that we all have about 2000 that are living on us. And remember, it's not just your eyelashes, it's your eyebrows. It's um, like the glabella region, your mm -hmm. nose, your cheek, the inner part of your ear. So they can actually do... Um, Sometimes if a person has rosacea, they can just put a piece of tape onto their face and they can get mites that way just from like skin contact. So mm. that might be more of like a contagious thing than the eyelashes themselves. Mm -hmm. um, some of the research that I actually have helped do looked at confocal imaging. So instead of having to remove the lash and plate it, it was actually taking um, images through the lash of the, the person that had the Demodex infestation. And... Um, the the mites are are very tightly burrowed around the base of the lash. Mm -hmm. So there may be some that are living on the outside of the skin, but most of them are actually in right the at the root of the um, hair follicle. So some of the, and I'm not really 100% sure, but some of the things I've heard over the time, like they come out at night to breed, I'm not really convinced that that is the case based mm -hmm. on this confocal imaging I saw that they're, they have no, they don't need to move to make more of themselves. They're all jammed together, you know. The scarier part, though, is that we don't have the, none of our treatments are effective at killing the entire life cycle of a Demodex mite. Mm -hmm. And that means that, um, you know, it's an egg and then it goes into this larva, into the um, Demodex uh, folliculorum usually or, or the brevis. Um, but they, um, none of our treatments, this research showed that the eggs never were touched. So oh, that's mm -hmm. interesting, which means that you have to think about the life cycle of the mite, which is about two weeks. And then whatever your treatment is, it's not a once and done thing. You have to like pulse it. So you might do something in office, which we'll talk about here, but, um, but then you have to see them back like within a two week period to either do that again. Or if you're going to start them on some kind of tea tree oil based cleanser at home, you want to see them like in two weeks to see, okay, is that doing enough? 
but um, your treatment end game would be re- no visible cylindrical dandruff. That's okay. what you're looking for. So okay. yes, we all do have some. You want to get rid of the visible evidence. Do okay. we? Do, you know, they could have some good. They're eating bacteria. If you had, if you completely eradicated it, could that be? changing a balance of something else, you know? So my goal is just to remove the sign of it on the outside of the lash. Okay. So, so what are your treatments? What do you recommend? So I usually will start with an in-office in treatment with a 50-50 concentration of, of tea tree oil. Um, and like you said, it is, it is abrasive. Um, I know some of the studies show macadamia nut oil is um, something that they dilute that tea tree oil down with. I use um, Jehovah oil or I don't know how you say that word, but I might say that wrong. Um, then I found that that's really tolerable to patients. When I put that on after a topical um, anesthetic, they don't complain about tingling in the office. Hmm. So how that looks is I, I still am very conservative. I put a bandage contact lens on the patient when I'm doing that concentrated concentration just to be you know 100% per- proactive and protective of the cornea. I don't know if it's necessary. Um, but what I do is I have the patient sit with their eyes closed and then I take a first I take um an eyedropper and I'll take 10 drops say of my concentrated tea tree oil which where do you get that by the way so I you know there's lots of debate about essential oils right and who's got the purest one and mm-hmm. honestly um I'm kind of lucky that I have an organic grocery store nearby oh, okay. and even she's the one that told me about this carrier oil which would be less irritating to the skin versus maybe the macadamia nut oil but okay um maybe even looking for whatever it is you want it to be 100% pure um tea tree oil okay. so um I get an eyedrop bottle or eyedropper take some out count 10 drops, do the same with the oil. That's how I kind of mix it up. In what? What are you mixing? I use a contact lens case. Yep. So I use a contact lens case for a lot of different things like that in in the office. If I'm soaking something like for um, the micro exfoliation, you know, if I'm going to soften up those sponges, I'll use the contact lens case to do that too. Okay. Um, So then I just take a cotton bud. Patient has their eyes closed. They have the bandage contact lens with a propericane is what I do. Propericane drop into their eye and then also on the skin around their eye. Hmm. And then I just paint it at the base of their eyelashes like five times across. Mm-hmm. Let it sit for five minutes. Do it again. Let it sit for five minutes. And then I do it one more time. And that's um, – that I didn't make that up. That's out of the papers, <laughs> you know, that came from Dr. Um, Shaper saying. Hmm. So, okay. Yep. Um, and then, you know, and then I send them home with an at-home cleanser. I mean, I do use a lot of Claridex. Um, but okay. Claridex is a little bit – intolerable for some patients. You know, they have a lot of stinging and burning. The big thing is you just told them they had mites. What's the natural reaction? Scrub your eyes as hard Mm -hmm. as you can, right? Yeah. yeah. So I say, if you're going to use this in particular, you want to be painting it on. You want to let it air dry before you open your eyes because I don't want to get the calls back that it was burning and they couldn't use it, right? Yeah. And so the more that they're just educated to just do more of like a gentle um, swipe of yeah. that solution is going to be better. Okay. And then, like you said, these one and two percent tea tree oils. I think the verdict's out. I mean, it might work. It just might take longer, right? Yeah. And so, I it's it's hard to. It's like I said, the balance because, like, if the patient's uncomfortable yeah. or and that's where maybe thinking about the in office treatment. Yeah. You know, is something we, we have a fee for service for that. I mean, a oh, lot do. of patients elect treatment the same day because I just showed them that with the microscope and they okay. they want to be as effective. And, and um, when you're doing the concentrated tea tree oil, you have a kill rate in, in like the first four minutes. When you're doing an at-home cleanser, those cleansers take about 40 minutes to penetrate in to, to do the same work. Okay. But you can't do just the in-office and not send them home with something. 
Yeah, right. Okay, so when you're in office, you have this like kill rate of four minutes or whatever you said. and But that's not killing the eggs, which is why you have them back in two weeks yep. and then repeat it mm-hmm. and then back in another two yep. and repeat it again. Depends on what you see, right? So you're okay, if sure. you keep seeing at the slit lamp the cylindrical dandruff, you're going to continue some kind of therapy okay. until you don't see that. Okay. All right. So then it's the patient conversation. You definitely, I mean, in my mind, you want to have the conversation. I have had a patient that actually found out from a website um, of a cleanser that we issued. And and I don't even think actually it was me. I think a, a another doctor actually gave them that cleanser with no explanation. I see. They went to the website. Now when we saw them back there, you know, they knew a lot about Demodex and no one had told them. I see. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, you know, there is, I think you should have the conversation. Yeah. I do, th- I do think that a lot of the research comes out of dermatology and I'm not really sure what that conversation looks like with rosacea and Demodex. Right. Yeah. I've had some patients go to their dermatologist after me seeing them and then the dermatologist, you know, it kind of makes me feel like I'm the crazy one, but oh, really? <laughs> because the, they don't really have that conversation, I don't think as mm-hmm. much with yeah. their patients, but, um, I'm, I usually tell people, you know, I'm, I like to be honest with them. So yeah. I'm, I explain to them and I say, it's like staph bacteria. We all have it. You just have an overgrowth right now and we're going to work to kind of get it back in balance. I think that is not so unreasonable to, or I could see how this would happen where a patient finds out like they're, you know, prescribed Cleardex or something. And then they're like, oh, this actually says for Demodex. I didn't know I had this because I think it's kind of an awkward conversation. I think it's hard. I think this conversation you and I are having is a good one because it's a little could be a little uncomfortable having that conversation with a patient. You're not sure how they'll kind of react with that. So but I think the way you just said it, it makes uh, total sense. And like it's not so super alarming, I think, to the patient. You know what I mean? It is. Um, and, <laughs> but like I said, sometimes they're a little bit more open to the idea and they'll take a picture so they can show somebody. Yeah. And then other times people are like, I don't want to see, you know, I, I don't want to see. And so you have to tread lightly because you don't want to create bigger problems yeah. for them. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, actually showing the patient probably has some value too, because I feel like you know, if someone told you you had this mite, would you you would have maybe some level of doubt about that unless you actually saw mm-hmm. this mite? So there's probably some value in the doing yeah. that. Also. So I mean, it doesn't cost a lot to bring in a microscope. Yeah, um, I have seen that uh, paper that you're talking about yeah. with the 90 diopter lens, and I've tried to do it. Yeah, but what did you think? I I still need struggle. to develop my technique. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, the the way that was done was there was the microscope. It was the same thing as if you're going to plate it under the on oh, your microscope. Oh, okay. So you, so you put it on a microscope slide. Yes. You put a drop of fluorescein. Oh, okay. You put the lash on there. Mm-hmm. You put the slide um, cover the cover on, and then you put it in the slit lamp, and then you take your 90 diopter oh. lens, and then look, it's like you're creating yeah. a microscope, but yes. it's all the same technique up until the microscope. So I guess it's like if you didn't want to mm-hmm. actually purchase one, is how yeah how it was. But but then you can't show the patient, and so. So I think the value totally. lies in being able to take the f- picture or say, mm-hmm. come look at this. And the one with the, the visible LED screen is yeah, yours worth the money. Cool. What's yeah. the name of that one? I think it's Celestron or something. Mm-hmm. C-E-L-E-S-T-R-O-N. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a good talk on Demonex. Hopefully this they all are. And you know what is another <laughs> great way to grow your practice is pitch the story to a local news because they really, you know, we did it kind of around Halloween, like what's hiding in your eyelashes. Oh, and really? So, yeah, it was a, I mean... Same kind of reaction, but <laughs> yeah. you know, it's a good way to educate the your population of patients that you're serving. And now for the to the point wrap up. Demodex is a large part of the blepharitis we're seeing in clinic, with an upwards of 45% of the incidence. 
cylindrical dandruff is pathognomonic of this, and that is viewed as a waxy debris on the base of the eyelash, visible at the slit lamp. Using the Mistrota technique of a large circular motion with your forceps, this allows for the mites to become exposed at the roots of the lash to allow for better visualization and even to help with the epilation if you're looking under a microscope. It's important to educate your patients to the findings, but do so with caution. Treatment for demodex blepharitis runs the gamut of in-office and at-home treatments, but there's the need for follow-up in both cases. 